0: When I was a kid, I called the aluminum foil box, the ouchie box (laughs) for obvious reasons. (laughs) And just the other day I was trying to get like the last little bit off of the roll of aluminum foil. And I was kind of like clenching really hard and my hand slipped and I cut my finger on the ouchie box.
1: So I... recent experience with aluminum foils, the fact that it's the winter. So everything is like statically charged. Mm -hmm. Um, and at the store, all of the shelves are made out of metal. Um, My cart is made out of metal. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything I touch trying to like personal shop for is just being zapped. Um mm-hmm. and it's great. But I, I grabbed aluminum foil the other day and it was like a triple shock. <laughs> it hurts so fucking bad. It is so
0: scary when you get a really bad shock. It's like, oh my god, you remember that like you can get electrocuted? I had to shake out my hand, it hurts so bad. It's fucking scary like when that that just like takes a hold of you and you're like oh my god like I forgot that this is a thing that can happen to people
1: and it's so funny to me that as kids we like went around and touched like the electric fences on pastures and stuff for like fun oh yeah like what the fuck was wrong with
0: us as children fucking kids man um speaking of kids it's really fun to be married to a man I highly doubt that, but continue. But especially a man with um who has ADHD and is unmedicated, because you will find things around your home like this this little number. (laughs) (laughs) It's a back scratcher Mm -hmm. that he was using to play with the cats, apparently. I think I'm always kind of like a Sherlock Holmes walking trying to around piece my it all together. <laughs> trying to piece together his movements what he was thinking at the time like I'll find a pair of scissors in the bathroom
1: I had the... to do that with myself though
0: <laughs> yep I used to have to do it much more often if you know what I mean in my uh undergraduate days <laughs> just to figure out what was going through my mind um I remember one time we had a we had a party we had we like hosted a party at our apartment and the next morning I woke up and I was like going to get some breakfast in the kitchen and I saw my like really nice like glass um, it was like a beverage dispenser kind of thing it, it looked like a big mason jar and it had mm-hmm. a little you know and um It was, like, broken and sitting next to the recycling or whatever. I was, like, really upset about it. I was, like, who broke that fucking dispenser? And my roommate was, like, oh, that was so-and-so. You were totally fine with it last night. You (laughs) kept telling him not to worry about it. Like, we didn't think it was an issue. (laughs) Should we have asked him to pay for it? (laughs) I was, like, I mean... I kind of would like 20 bucks. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I was apparently very chill about it um, the previous evening. Anywho, enough about me. We are, apparently we are suffering today. (laughs) This week, but today, yes. Yeah, happy February. Here's the wrong delivery order.
1: Eat it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we're going to get horrible weather. The Mm -hmm. next couple of days, which I'm thrilled about. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. Running around like a spaz right now. Mm -hmm. Just just ignore him in the background. If you hear just spastic jingling, just Mm -hmm. making its rounds through the room. (laughs) (laughs) This is good timing. He's like you rang. (laughs) Yeah, literally. Um, anyway. Anyway, weather.
0: The weather here has been great. Apparently, we're out of range of the the bad stuff because I can finally see some patches of grass outside, which I have not seen in over a month.
1: Yeah, it's been... Like back and forth here today, it's 58 degrees. Oh my for gosh, some reason. Uh, yeah. Um, and that is probably exactly why we are getting slammed with bad weather for the next two days. Yeah. Every time it gets really warm, um, God punishes us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: That's how it goes. Yes. Got to knock you down a peg.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Anyway, this is one of those episodes where I was working very close to uh, the deadline. Um, I started yesterday. <laughs> me too. <at> like noon. <laughs> I started at 10 p.m. last night. Oh my god, you beat me even and you <laughs> chose this. I know. Um,
1: I am a terrible person.
0: Well, but no least, respect for but, deadlines. But you know, you knew what you were going to talk about though. Um,
1: I read the wikis for a couple of people and I was like, I'll get around to looking at other sources and maybe actually paying attention to what Mm -hmm. anything I read meant and how Mm -hmm. it fit together. Yeah. Um, and I decided to do that at 10 PM last night. Yeah. I chose
0: what I was going to write about at noon yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> so mine is short. <laughs> short for me, which is like longer than necessary probably.
1: I'm still excited to hear what it is. Um we never introduced ourselves. Oops. We just launched right into aluminum foil.
0: That's correct. Um, um the Ouchie box uh distracted me. I felt like I had to tell that story. Um I'm Sarah, I'm a Catholic. I'm Liz, I'm a witch. And we tell each other stories about saints and witches. Today we're going to be in China. For the first time. The very first time. I'm pretty excited. I learned a ton. A lot of information was crammed into my brain in the past 36 hours, 24 hours.
1: I learned a lot of information about some very specific people and nothing outside of those people. (laughs)
0: great (laughs) I did the exact opposite
1: (laughs) this is gonna gel really great this is
0: gonna be great
1: so I wanted to challenge myself to do something new this week instead of doing Europe for the 10 millionth time yeah And I set my sights on Asia um, and I tried to narrow it down from there because Asia is very broad. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought about proposing Asia to you. I'm like, we're going to end up in very like vastly different places if Mm -hmm. I do that. Um, Originally, I focused on Japan, but I couldn't find enough material in a cursory search um, and through forums researching Japan, I happened upon a story in China um, that when I read the wiki, as I always do to get my feet wet, I knew that I had hit a gold mine of a story right off the bat. Ooh. So like a couple paragraphs and I'm like, I don't even have to read the rest of this wiki. Like I know right now that this is a story that I have to tell. <sighs> That's the best. Yeah. And to see that, like, it just kept going like on and on and on. I'm like, there is so much to work with here. Yeah. This is going to be fantastic.
0: You get your like grubby little paws all over it. I love that feeling. My little raccoon hands. <laughs> <laughs> just digging through those details.
1: <laughs> yep. Um, my story comes largely from the wikis of the people involved today because I got into things like the Encyclopedia Britannica and like academic sources and they were just so dry Mm. compared to the wiki. Yeah. Um, Like television shows out there wish they had as many twists and turns and as much drama as these Wikipedia pages. Mm. They wish they had the pacing of these Wikipedia pages. Um, It was not surprising to me at all whenever I found out that there have been television adaptations of this family's lives, Mm. multiple adaptations. I'm like, this is like 100% could be adapted because there's just no like dead space anywhere. Wow, I'm so excited. Yes. So I'm not going to tell the boring historical version of everything, but (laughs) instead I'm going to give you the rundown of all like the crazy shit happening with the royal family in Shangan, China in the Han Dynasty. Cool. I have no idea what those words are. I really (laughs) don't either. I didn't Google past that. Okay. Um, Heads up that I'm going to pronounce everything like a complete dweeb today because um, Chinese pronunciation is. Very nuanced. Um, I like watching Mandarin videos on TikTok about how, like, the slight intonation differences uh, drastically change the meaning of something. They're so funny. Um, and I watch the same sorts of videos in ASL where they're like, if you do this, it means hungry. If you do this, it means horny. So like, Mm -hmm. be very careful. The same sort of thing happens in Mandarin. They're like, if you like even slightly tweak like the I in this word, then you are like cursing. You're saying something very vulgar. I'm too dumb to learn that language. Yeah. Um, I'm far too stupid to learn it. Um. (laughs) But I love the people on there um, with those videos. I also love there's this one lady who um, she's like American names that like don't translate over Mm. into. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I've seen Have you seen those? Yes, where she's like oh, Stephanie. And then she does syllable by syllable. And she's like, it means you're a horny bird or something. Yes. Or like you, you shit rocks or (laughs) like something really disgusting and demeaning. It's so funny. Yes.
1: They're so funny. But it's stuff like that, where like, if you slightly tweak something, then it's that extremely vulgar (laughs) phrase. So um, I'm very sorry for like my Butchering of names today. Um, and if it means that I'm saying something really vulgar, I'm sorry. It's okay. I don't mean I'll, it. I'm sure I'll do it too. Um, so we are in 156 BCE today, which is about 100 years before Caesar's conquest of Gaul. Hmm. Um, and I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, because my memory is Swiss cheese, um, <laughs> that I've only been in BCE before to talk about the Celts and the Druids.
0: The Celts, the Druids, um, there was the story in Greece. I can't remember if that was BC or not.
1: That's true. I have been in Greece. I don't remember when that was.
0: That was an old one, though. I remember Mm -hmm. that was a long time ago.
1: Mm -hmm. I don't deal with a lot of early history. Um, That tends to be more of your area than it's my area. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Egypt was the oldest story I ever told yeah um, probably yeah with the pharaohs so i think this is this is back there not the oldest but one of the oldest stories i've told mm-hmm. in 156 emperor jing is on the throne his father is emperor Wen, who has since passed um hence why jing has risen to emperor hmm but back when Emperor Wen was still in power and Jing was but a simple little crown prince, heir apparent, whatever, no bigs, mm-hmm. um, Jing gets his offering of concubines. One of these women is named Wang Ji, and Wang Ji was a married woman at one point. I believe she had a daughter as part of this marriage, but her own mother divorced her from her husband. Because a fortune teller told her mother that Wong Ji and her sister were going to be, quote unquote, honored in the future.
0: So she's like, stop the presses,
1: kill your husband. Yeah. She's like, your, your husband is just like, there's not enough honor coming from this. Like, we can do better. Whoa. Way, way better okay um and I like to think of Wang Ji's mom as like a Kris Jenner type um because her mom struts Wang Ji and her sister out in front of the crown prince um and she's like consorts do you want them maybe right um and she secures that bag for like everybody
0: so. wow the devil works hard but Kris Jenner works harder
1: yes that is Wang Ji's mom so love that so Emperor Wen dies Jing rises to power He marries Empress Bo, and Wong Ji, now a royal consort, gets pregnant with the future Emperor Wu, who is said to be Emperor Jing's, I think, 10th or 11th child. Um, I got 10th in a lot of sources, and I got 11th in at least one source. Um, So he's getting very busy with his consorts because he has no children with his wife. Hmm. Wait, he's already
0: married, and he just... So he does he want a consort
1: because he has no children with his wife? Consorts are a very big part of this story and they're very like normalized. The mm-hmm. way that I kind of understand it is just like, they're essentially like, it's a way for mo- more families to gain like leverage. Okay. Um, so it's kind of uh, like
0: Henry VIII's court situation a little, mm-hmm. but it's still not even that rigid.
1: they are like these are official positions so it's not like a bunch of mistresses that he's secretly keeping they are royal consorts that he officially has they have been announced they are known um his wife knows about them public knows about them um and
0: is it anti-feminist that I think I would really enjoy being like a royal consort
1: I don't think so, because the <laughs> women in the story, and you'll kind of see this, use this as like a way to have power in a system in which they do not have power. And to just like live a life of luxury, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Like that
0: sounds great to me, but sorry. 100%. I'm getting ahead of you there, so.
1: No, you're, you're all good. So Emperor Jing has no children by his wife, Empress Bo. He has plenty of consorts, one of which is Wang Ji. Wang Ji gets pregnant. Um, Wang Ji has a vision while she is pregnant that the sun is falling into her womb. Hmm. And Jing dreams of this crimson boar that like descends from the clouds, um, which is how Wang Ji's son gets his name, Leo Ji. He is born in 156 BCE, which is where I planted us. Um, and we'll become the future Emperor Wu, the central character of our story today. Got it. This story has a million characters, by the way. This story I has everything. <laughs> yes, I have Stefan right here. <laughs> yep. So much stuff. It's got consorts. It's got eunuchs. Um, it's got people committing suicide. I so love a eunuch.
0: Them. <laughs> oh my God, I love a good eunuch. <laughs> and I live by that. <laughs> Sorry.
1: <laughs> um, so I'm going to do everything I can to keep things straight. Um, that said, introducing a couple people immediately. Emperor Jing's sister, Princess Piao, um, who I'll just called the princess for simplicity. So it's one less name to remember. Um, and another of Emperor Jing's consorts, Lady Li. Lady Li has a son with the emperor and this son is the current crown prince, heir apparent, all that fun stuff. But Li is kind of a jealous bitch. Mm. Um, She does not like Jing's wife, doesn't like the other consorts, does not like the princess because she procures consorts for her brother sometimes, which is weird to me. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Mm hmm. I think it would be very strange if I just gathered up a bunch of women for my brother to maybe mm-hmm. impregnate. Right. But and be like, oh, he would love you. That's <laughs> very strange. To me. I don't like that. No. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, Li wants to be Jing's one and only, his favorite. Um, and she is looking forward to becoming the Empress when Jing finally gives his wife Bo the boot because she is not giving him any kids and that makes her ultimately useless. If she, if she can't further the royal bloodline, then why is she there? Yeah. All this said, Princess Piao has a young daughter she'd really like to marry to one of her brother's sons because sometimes the quickest road to power is incest. And you can quote me on that i mean it's true historically it's very true yeah uh so the princess approaches lady lee hey does your boy the crown prince want to marry my daughter you want to arrange that maybe that sound good um and lee who hates the princess because of that whole concert procurement thing is like you can fuck right off um no no deal not gonna Mm -hmm. happen the princess is very angry and she's very humiliated that, um, she's been rejected like this, that, uh, her daughter is not going to get to marry the crown prince. Um, and she decides to try arranging a marriage again. This time she sets her sight on consort Wong's five-year-old son, Ji, at a gathering. Okay. She picks up her nephew in her arms and asks if he wants to marry his cousin, the princess's daughter Qin Jiao, estimated to be in her mid-teens at this time. Um, she's young, but she has to be old enough to be of marriageable age, so she's estimated to be somewhere between like 13 and 15. Okay. The story goes that little Leo brags at five years old that he is going to quote build a golden house for Jiao. That's
0: cute. I'm it's- sorry, I have to say it. It's adorable
1: it is um and apparently it becomes this becomes like a very famous uh like colloquialism essentially a very famous saying Hmm. um but it's ironic in the way that i understand it i didn't write any of this down um so i'm just trying to remember that uh this is like in the context of like I'm gonna make her my wife I'm gonna put her in a golden house but the way that the saying is understood now is like I'm gonna make that person a mistress and like give her all the best shit so Mm. like it has been warped over time
0: that's interesting
1: yes um consort Wong overhears like all of this this whole exchange um, and goes to the princess and then moves straight out of her mother, Kris Jenner's playbook um, <laughs> match makes her son says that she would love it. If her son and the princess's daughter could get arranged to be hitched mm-hmm. in the future. And so those plans are made in the meantime, the princess enacts the second part of her little scheme um, to get some power for herself Making sure to constantly shit talk Lady Li for being that jealous bitch that she is. Okay. She goes so far as to suggest to her brother, Emperor Zhang, that imagine it, dude. You get rid of your wife, make Lady Li empress, and then you die. Lady Li is going to become the Empress Dowager. Her son is going to be emperor, and she is going to make the lives of your consorts and their children miserable. Yeah. Remember old Empress Dowager Liu who mutilated and killed her late husband's favorite concubine. Mm, oh my God. You want that happening to any of these women that you really love mm. um, because Lady Lee is capable of doing something like that. And Emperor Jing is Shook by mm-hmm. the suggestion. Um, and he decides to err on the side of caution so hard that he deposes Lady Lee's son as his heir. Not, not just getting rid of her. He's like, you know what? I'm not gonna deal with any any part of her. So well, um, this will go over great. <laughs> yes. Um, so Lady Lee will go on to die in complete and complete an utter shame. Um, and her son, as part of a later misconduct charge, will be forced to kill himself. Oh my god. Yeah, so he is like out of the picture. His mother is out of the picture. Wow. All of this paves the way for Consort Wang Ji to become Empress Wang. And for her son, Liao Ji, to become Liao Che. Um, and I don't know if that's the correct way to say that. I couldn't. It's one of those that I didn't know what accent was supposed to be on it and and then changes things mm-hmm. so you um, probably
0: just called him like a baboon or something
1: I probably did
0: I'm <laughs> really sorry. it's okay which is
1: funny because his original name means like boar so oh
0: I just thought of the first animal
1: yeah so he's not boar anymore he's baboon <laughs> uh,
0: so sorry whoopsie. that's
1: kind of um
0: I don't know maybe it's lateral maybe they're <laughs> it, on the same level no, How? I think I would actually rather be a baboon than a boar.
1: Baboons are mean. Yeah. They're, they're really fucking mean. I feel like I, they're smarter though. I am terrified of baboons. I'd never want to be like in the wild confronted with a baboon. Oh they no, they'll my rip my face your off. they'll
0: rip your fucking face off. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Um, I am scared so shitless <laughs> of baboons. But a
0: boar would not be great to meet in the wild either
1: no so. but i could climb a tree to get away from a boar mm, that's
0: true a baboon can fuck your shit up in yeah, a tree i'm not
1: getting away from a baboon yeah that fucker can run and he can climb and yeah. i'm not good at either
0: <laughs> true yeah okay fair fair i accept that
1: okay so um leo uh He is now crown prince, um, and he ascends to the throne at age 15 when his father, Emperor Jing, dies in 141 BCE, and he becomes Emperor Wu. And his cousin wife, Qin becomes Empress. Okay. I am not going to get much into Emperor Wu's actual, like, reign. This story isn't really concerned with his expansion of China or his military movements or his adoption of Confucianism as an imperial doctrine. I will say that he came into power young and that he didn't have as much of a voice as he wanted because of powerful women in his life, like his aunt slash mother-in-law, the princess. <sighs> Gross. Um, then you also have his... Mother, Wang Ji, and uh because now she's the Empress Dowager. Mm-hmm. And then you have his grandmother, the Grand Empress Dowager. Um, and she is known for imprisoning people that Emperor Wu goes to for advice anytime that it conflicts with her own ideologies. <laughs> I like her. <laughs> yeah. So I think she's like a Taoist or something. And he's like a Confucianist. So okay. anytime he goes to like his own like school of thought, she's like mm-hmm. imprisoned. Um, goodbye.
0: I just got so excited that I knew those words and like had like the vague idea of what they meant. Yeah, <laughs> like so- my whole face lit up. I was like,
1: I'm smart. <laughs> So it's a bunch of petty shit like that where he's Mm -hmm. supposed to be in charge, but he's young and she still has a lot of influence. Yeah. Um, So his early reign is definitely shaped by this atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Emperor Wu develops a bit of a complex around control and secrets, um, especially as pertains to the people he employs. Betrayal is grounds for execution. Um, He's also, by some sources, fascinated with immortality and is on this constant quest to achieve it consulting with magicians um, did not write this down but at least one source said something like he was so convinced that he was going to like achieve immortality that he invested like so much into like the mortal world because he was very convinced he was never gonna have to leave it got it um, he will to jump ahead briefly in his later life go on expensive magical expeditions that not only stress the treasury but stress the people who host him to the point that they will commit suicide because they are ashamed that they cannot provide for the emperor and his like people oh my god and he doesn't really care he, <laughs> he just is keeps doing it
0: toxic red flag <laughs> Yeah, if a bunch of people just tend to kill themselves around you,
1: whenever <laughs> M- you're maybe your name the is mentioned, <laughs> and he's just like, "Wow, I run into a lot of really weak people." It's like, oh "My God, <look> self reflection." <inward. laughs> please look inward like those people are like all my exes were crazy it's like if every one of your exes was crazy every single one and go to therapy big red flag yes um to hop back to where we were at ember Wu is noted to have been very in love with his cousin wife empress Chen, um but she has yet to give him any children despite seeing doctors about her issues conceiving Hmm. because emperor wu is already being emasculated by his grandmother who is imprisoning his supporters she doesn't like and generally doing nothing to dispel these rampant rumors that he's going to be deposed as emperor Hmm. um his inability to produce an heir with his wife is not helping things yeah empress chen does not want emperor wu to have consorts um she's very possessive of him Um, but fears of the royal bloodline withering gives the emperor's enemies serious ammo to want to knock him off the throne and replace him with uh, like a distant uncle okay because of this emperor Wu has to rely heavily on his aunt slash mother-in-law to play mediator for him with his grandmother so Mm. he doesn't get his ass kicked out of the palace (laughs) and The princess, who is a material girl, first Mm. and foremost, Mm -hmm. um, uses this as an opportunity to manipulate her nephew into giving her all of the things that she wants. Mm.
0: Love that for her.
1: So like (laughs) you said, we talked about how like women use this as a way to get what they want. She is absolutely using this entire situation um, that she has uh, put together to Mm -hmm. her advantage. Material girl yes that is (laughs) princess piao 100 um emperor wu is fed the fuck up at this point with his aunt grandmother and wife um and he only bites his tongue because his mother wong ji tells him to cool it and wait for the right time to act um so emperor wu pretends to have let these women chop his dick off metaphorically (laughs) (laughs) while secretly he is rallying supporters and plotting against all of them Mm. he also in the meantime swings by the house of a sister um i could not find a pronunciation for this but it looks like ping yang um who unfortunately wants to pull a princess piao and get that bread by manipulating her brother uh by playing matchmaker fun so she lines up a bunch of potential concubines for him um mm-hmm. and he passes on all of them board which i'm sure they felt super great about like they're standing in line like ready for a game of smash or pass and he's like uh-huh. pass pass on all of pass, them. pass 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 <laughs> he gets to like, what what is it about me what <laughs> right. was
0: wrong but the cousin smash <laughs> <laughs>
1: Could you imagine though, like losing to his cousin? His
0: cousin—it's like, goddamn. Actually, God. shouldn't be a surprise, really.
1: No, but I would definitely like really look at myself after that and wonder what was wrong with me.
0: Be like, damn. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah.
1: Incest was better than me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. Anywho, um, so his sister seeing that he's bored, decides to um, call out some dancers for entertainment. And when a singer joins the party, one Wei Zifu, the emperor, falls in love at first sight, which (laughs) I don't believe in love at first sight. Me neither.
0: No, it's not a thing.
1: No, I believe in lust at first sight or being like intrigued or puppy love, but not love, um, especially because the emperor immediately gives a thousand gold pieces to his sister after he quote-unquote romantic encounter with wei Sufu fu mm-hmm. um which just feels like prostitution with extra steps yeah and yeah and then wei Sufu fu gets gifted to the emperor like cattle so mm-hmm. um not love at first sight
0: no no definitely lust and definitely like uh, it was like a property exchange
1: well yeah definitely 100 um empress chen is not very happy with this. I completely forgot the word that I was gonna say. <laughs> Ar- arrangement, development. Development, thank you. <laughs> yeah um, so uh she's not happy. I imagine it's like when your kid comes home with a stray cat without asking, but instead it's your husband and it's a woman that he's picking. <laughs> a, a stray woman. <laughs> he just shows up on the doorstep he's like please can we keep her I promise to feed her can we keep her look how pretty I will I'll take care of her every day
0: (laughs) she's so soft
1: I already named her
0: (laughs) oh no (laughs) oh it just hit me that we're talking about a human woman I know gross
1: it's very gross um but Empress Chen forces uh the emperor to make Weizifu a palace maid and to forget about her he's like she's like fine uh you can keep her but she's going in a very far room of the palace and you're never ever gonna talk to her right that's that's it this is the best I can do Mm -hmm. um and uh the emperor does Forget about Wei Zifu for a year until Wei tries to sneak out of the palace, just like tired of all of the bullshit. Um, and the emperor catches her as she's trying to do this, and they passionately reunite. So oh you can see how this is like really prime for like television adaptation. Oh, yeah,
0: I could see it for sure.
1: Definitely. This is. Great. I'm watching the movie in my head right now. Yes, it is great. The pacing is great. The twists are great. There's romance. Mm -hmm. It's just fantastic. Um, So, after they passionately reunite, Wei Zifu quickly becomes pregnant. Mm. And this cements that one, she is now the Emperor's favorite woman. And two, Emperor's Chin is entirely at fault for why she and her husband could not conceive, which does help the Emperor's reputation okay geez louise so a series of things happen over the next few years the emperor's aunt enraged that he like the emperor betrayed her daughter uh sends men to kidnap wei zifu's brother and murder him what yeah a whole he didn't plot. do anything no there's like i know how we're gonna get back at that man stealing bitch we're gonna kill her brother oh my god this
0: is literally like game of thrones
1: it is it's so good um but this whole plot is thwarted when the brother's friends come to his rescue and oh. save him.
0: well that's good yeah. for him yes <laughs>
1: Later, uh, Wei is publicly announced as a royal consort, so everybody knows about her. This is very embarrassing for Empress Chen. Um, Several of Wei's family members are given important positions among the emperor's staff, and they prove worthy of these positions, and Wei gives birth to three daughters. Wow. Empress Chen, who has been abandoned by her husband and is no longer visited by him, threatens to kill herself multiple times Mm. to get his attention. (laughs) Relatable. Um, It does not work.
0: Uh, Also relatable. (laughs) JK, 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 I would never.
1: Um, And she does spend a ridiculous amount of money trying to cure her infertility, But it's ultimately pointless because her husband isn't sleeping with her anymore anyway. Um, So she's just really desperate to get him back. In a last ditch effort, she turns to a witch named, I'm going to say Chufu, because I don't know how to say it. Um, She turns to this woman for a love spell to get her her husband fall back in love with her Mm
0: -hmm. and a
1: curse so that she can like condemn all of the emperor's consorts okay this is the two things that she (laughs) wants that she thinks is gonna like get her back to where she wants to be it's the one-two punch it's the old razzle dazzle (laughs) (laughs) these two perform rituals together which include but are not limited to Chufu dressing up as a dude and the two of them sleeping together what it feels very much like Chufu is a lesbian who tells Chin, oh yeah, this is definitely <laughs> part of the magic. Just trust me. And right? Chin's like, well, you are the expert.
0: If you say so. Twist my arm. Oh my God. That is a fantastic subplot for the series.
1: Yes. I'm telling there's just, it was so juicy. Every paragraph I read, it was like, I have to tell this story. It's yep. so good. It's so good. Um, this witchcraft is unfortunately discovered, Mm. um, and a prosecutor, Zheng Tang, whose wiki is also a trip and a half of secret plots and corruption and ends and like suicide. Mm. Like it's also like, it's would make a great whole like other subplot. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm swear to God, you cannot click on any of like the blue names in the wiki and be disappointed. Like nobody is uninteresting. nice um this dude investigates the case somehow he ends up sweeping like 300 people into it as accused individuals uh i don't know how he manages to 300 300 extra people oh my god Um, whatever uh chufu is decapitated (gasps) and um, yeah unfortunately and empress chen is put under house arrest Later, Emperor Wu ends up having a son with Wei Zifu, Liao Ju, who is named Crown Prince, which means Chen no longer has any hopes of ever rising back to power. Like, wow. Um, she is in fact removed as Empress and replaced with Wei Zifu. Um, and she dies, um, Chen does 20 years later, disgraced. Wow. Uh, the princess, um, Emperor Wu's aunt, um, mm-hmm. a lot of people here, um, just to kind of slap a bow on her before I hop over to the emperor's son, who I'm going to focus on next, um, cause I'm not quite done. Um, just to slap a bow on her, uh, she is discovered to be, I believe, sleeping with her 15 year old godson. Oh no. Um, which emperor Wu uses to put a leash on her for good is like blackmail. Um, that's fair. Yeah. Again. Everything is juicy. Yeah. So many things happening. Um, But he's looking like golden right now because like he's got a son. He's got rid of his wife. He's finally got like one of the women in his life finally subdued. Mm-hmm. Like, things are great. So crown prince Ju um grows up to be the opposite of his father who is authoritative and concerned with expanding China as much as possible and is generally just a bit of a dick. Mm-hmm. Um. Instead, his son gains a reputation for pacifism, taking care of the people and economy, and he speaks out against his father's policies. So, like the liberal Gen Z son of a conservative Gen X dad. Yeah, got it. Um, it is too bad that the whole government is quite literally made up of all of the people his dad put in power. Mm. So, Leo does not have the authority he needs to be as contrary as he is. That
0: sounds very familiar.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This is not gonna inflow um for him. Just spoilers. Um around this time Emperor Wu is for for some fucking reason unbeknownst to me having nightmares of quote, hundreds of small wooden puppets beating him with sticks. End quote. Okay.
0: (laughs) I guess. (laughs) because <laughs> why not why that why that
1: just, I never expected what was gonna come next in this story ever Stuff like in that point.
0: that makes me think that must be 100 true because if it if you made it up wouldn't it be like more on the nose
1: yeah this is has to be like an uninventable detail <laughs> 100% because it reflects absolutely nothing
0: in his life right that's what makes me think it's real
1: yeah it's like <laughs> I was having all these weird fucking nightmares about fucking puppets beating the shit out
0: of me <laughs> that's something that you fixate on and you yeah. tell like everybody in your life you're like oh my god I cannot escape the, the puppets
1: yeah well the thing is he ends up thinking that it's witchcraft because somebody's mm. targeting him with witchcraft that's why he's having all these nightmares wow
0: it must be really bad
1: it's really bothering him <laughs> um so he is like mongo paranoid about these people close to him plotting against him with witchcraft to the point he executes entire families and clans oh my God. wipes people off the face of the map because um, of the puppets because the puppets beating him with sticks good lord Uh, And I'm imagining like the Punch and Judy puppets, like the the sticks. Yep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm there. (laughs) Um, He even goes after two of his own daughters for witchcraft. Um, And while all of this is happening, Wei Zifu gets old um, and the emperor trades her in for a younger model, his favorite, um, who gives him a son that she is pregnant with for 14 months. Um, <laughs> it's math ain't mathin <laughs> no there's a lot of stuff in this story that I haven't mentioned I can't remember if this is the consort that the other mythical thing is but there's one of his consorts that gets her name from the fact that she was like born with a closed face fist and her fist never ever opened up until she met like Emperor Wu and he massaged her hand and it opened and inside it was a jade hook. That um, is and, the hottest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Yeah, which she her name translates to like um lady fist or lady hook. Um, <laughs> lady, like, <fists. laughs> lady
0: fist is <laughs> chef's <Just> good. <laughs> I'm obsessed with that. i love it
1: (laughs) i can't remember if that's this consort um but it might be so there are a lot of things like the 14 months that like there are some mythical elements to the stories yeah i like that um but this whole 14 month pregnancy um reflects like another very famous emperor in the past was um mythically also um like a 14 month pregnancy okay uh, So this has very divine implications that like he could grow up to become an emperor just as great as that emperor. Got it. So Emperor Wu is gushing over this new baby son to the point that people think that this baby might replace Leo as heir. Mm -hmm. Simultaneously, the emperor's health is going to shit and he might die and be replaced with Leo soon. Um, This is not good news for Emperor Wu's staff who will become relics of this old mindset in Leo's eyes. Right. The head of secret intelligence, a man named Jiang, who has had shitty dealings with Leo in the past, decides that before the emperor can kick the bucket, Jiang needs to get rid of Leo. So he teams up with a guy named Su, who has the title of chief eunuch.
0: God, chief eunuch lady fizz i'm loving this
1: yeah so chief eunuch hell of a fucking title mm-hmm. by the way i went and looked up because like the eunuch thing came out of nowhere like the history of like eunuchs in china yeah um and apparently they were a big deal and like the staff because they couldn't have kids so there were like no threat of them ever like theoretically trying to usurp you because they couldn't produce a bloodline to overtake yours okay so- they were like safe people to have on your staff and um, could rise very quickly in the ranks and be very important. Got it. So Chief Eunuch Sue. Sue in the past has lied about Leo screwing his dad's consorts because he hates Leo. Um, so he and Young buddy up and block Leo from being able to talk to his dad and they accuse Leo of witchcraft. Mm. Getting approval to go ransack his house for proof. When they get there, they dig a bunch of holes, like fucking everywhere, just absolutely everywhere. Like, like literal holes. House, literal holes in the ground. They just dig a whole bunch of holes. Um to the point that it uh it said something like there wasn't space for them to like lay down their beds. Um, there's just fucking holes everywhere. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And now I have that stupid fucking TikTok song, Armadillos Keep Digging Little Holes in My Backyard. Armadillos
0: keep digging. <laughs> yeah. The chief unit keeps digging little holes in my fucking house.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's infuriating. It is. Um, and Leo is like, mm, they're not going to find anything. But what they're doing digging the holes is they're actually planting dolls and weird occult stuff everywhere to frame leo who panics when they start to find all of this proof on his property right um so he decides that his only recourse is to literally race jiang and su to his dad's palace to see who can unseat who from power first which I think is really funny because we've talked in the past about like um who can write like a strongly written letter before (laughs) who this is like he's gonna try and knock me off of like my throat I'm gonna try and get him removed from staff
0: I mean it's like the whichever side of the story you hear first sometimes Mm
1: -hmm. that's the one that sticks so it makes sense So that is quite literally what they're doing, just trying to race and tattle on each other first. Boys. Yeah. In the race, Leo has one of his men impersonate a messenger and sends them to Jiang and Su, this man saying that he is a member of Emperor Wu's staff and he's coming from the palace, Um, when really all he is is a plot to ambush Jiang and Su and arrest them. Mm. Su escapes, but... uh, Zhang is captured and Leo executes Zhang. As Su flees to the emperor and lies that Leo has begun this rebellion to overthrow his dad, Leo goes to his mother, Wang Ji, who gives him her palace guards and advises him to rally supporters because shit is about to hit the fan. Mm hmm emperor Wu is really reluctant to believe Sue because remember that Leo has that re- reputation as being a pacifist right um, and it's really working in his favor in this case mm-hmm. so the emperor sends someone to fetch his son and bring him back to the palace to explain himself um, like there's no way that my son's gonna overthrow me just just go get him and he'll tell me what's going on hmm But instead of fetching Leo, this man, who also dislikes the crown prince, simply lies that the prince tried to kill him and he barely escaped with his own life. Oh, good lord. I like to imagine that he just, like, left the city on, like, a three-day bender, came back, rubbed some dirt on his face, fucked up his hair, and went inside, he's like, holy shit, you will never believe the day that I've had. Right. Like, no idea what Leo just tried to do to me. Right. And everyone's like, oh, my God.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. Tell me everything. Yeah.
1: Emperor Wu does end up believing this man, and so he launches forces against his son.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Leo makes a lot of last ditch, uh, futile maneuvers to save himself. I cut those out. They are very interesting though. It's a lot of like trying to get somewhere first and being subverted. Um, they do battle for five days. Um, but all Leo has are palace guards and his buddies. Um, and him, Wu obviously has some really high ranking people on his side. Right. Um, Leo escapes the city with two of his sons But his mother, for supporting him um, and giving the palace guards to him, is executed.
0: Of course.
1: So is Leo's entire family, minus his grandson, his infant grandson, who is thrown in prison.
0: Oh my gosh, a baby.
1: Yeah, and I don't think the baby's let out of prison either. It later just says he languishes in prison. Oh no yeah so they just slaughter his family and throw like the months old little baby in prison they're like you're gonna learn today son learn what <laughs> he's, he's just like eating his own
0: fist <laughs> right um that's sad
1: it's very sad why didn't so, they just
0: kill the baby too like why'd they make it suffer that's sad
1: it's terrible Leo hides with a shoemaker, but he really hates imposing on his family. So very much the opposite of his dad, who was like imposing on all of those people (laughs) to the point that like like killed themselves. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Leo is like, I hate the fact that I'm like such a burden on your like small little family that doesn't have a lot of resources. I'm so sorry. Um, and when he tries to get help from one of his old friends instead, it accidentally exposes his position. Uh, where he's hiding subsequently Mm -hmm. soldiers raid the shoemaker's house killing him his family and leo's sons leo is forced to commit suicide by hanging and his body is turned over to his dad for reward money um really love that jeez um emperor Wu will go on to name his new tiny baby son um his heir and will execute the baby's mother To prevent the woman from becoming a vindictive empress Dowager whenever Mm -hmm. Emperor Wu dies. Mm -hmm. Um, And also likely to keep the kid from being dominated by a female figure in his life during his early reign like Emperor Wu was. Right unfortunately emperor wu is regarded as one of the greatest emperors in china
0: Um, (laughs) other historians
1: have very mixed feelings about him because he did great things but he's also kind of a piece of shit yep i have no doubts he probably did great things that i didn't read about but he was definitely a messy bitch when it came to his personal life (laughs) Uh everyone in this story was a messy bitch when it came to their personal lives but that is emperor wu of han and his endless endless drama
0: I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I loved it from the lesbian sex to the eunuchs to the, (laughs) I I didn't love the dying baby part, (laughs) but it was interesting. I, that was good.
1: Good job. So much. When I clicked on the wiki, I knew within paragraphs, I'm like, I have to tell this story. And then as I kept reading, it's like, I picked correctly, because it just got better. The consort storyline is so good.
0: And if you were to adapt it, you could have so many like, different perspectives.
1: There are literally so many things that could be going on at the same time because Mm -hmm. so many of this stuff is running like um concurrently uh like all of this stuff with the witchcraft with Empress Chen going on at the same time that all of this stuff is happening with Emperor Wu Mm -hmm. and then you've also got the person who prosecuted um Empress Chen he had all of that crazy shit happening in his own life where he was running a lot of like scammy shit um there's just literally so much everyone's backstabbing everybody there's romance storylines yes love it it's just great you got to write I'm it. 30. You
0: got to adapt it.
1: Um, I'm going to leave it to the people who already adapted it to television.
0: Oh, uh, awkward. <laughs> you you mentioned that already. <laughs>
1: well, because like, um, I think, I don't know if all of them are, Um, I think all of them are Chinese. Oh, that's important. Yeah. Um, because one of them, at least the entire wiki was in Chinese. The other three, just based on like the cover art it showed, um, it looked like they were also Chinese adaptations, um, which like they can do it a lot more like respectfully than me not even knowing how to pronounce the names correctly. <laughs> I suppose.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I suppose.
1: Have you watched any of the TV versions? Um, I did not go looking for them. Cause like I said, I started doing this at 10 p.m. last. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I haven't really had a chance. So. We should look for them and we should have like a watch party. I would be really interested to see um, how they adapted everything because um, I have never really gotten into like live action, like Chinese, Japanese, any kind of stuff, um, like foreign films or television. Um, I think I've watched something that was Turkish once.
0: I don't think I've watched anything Chinese. I've seen a few Japanese movies and TV shows. Um like, uh, like I've seen Rashomon and I've seen Lady Snowblood, but that's pretty much the extent of it. Also, I watch the show Terrace House, which is like mm-hmm. a fun reality show, um, but nothing Chinese, I don't think.
1: I think my hang up whenever I first got like exposed to it, it's just like acts acting t- styles are so different, um, between countries. That's true. One of the reasons that I listen to, um, that I watch Anime in Japanese and not English is because like they're much better voice actors for it than like we are. (laughs) Yeah, Um, like one (laughs) hundred percent. Yeah, their whole selves into it. Um, but like that shows like again like the differences and how we approach things. Right. Um, and I was just been exposed to so much like American TV that it's really hard to sometimes watch foreign shows and to um get over that little hang up.
0: Yeah, that's true. Terrace House is good because it's very, it's a reality show, but it's Mm -hmm. extremely calming to watch because it's just like these people's everyday lives. But the only difference is probably I talk about it a lot (laughs) because I (laughs) really, really enjoy it. And I highly recommend it. It's one of those things you can have on in the background because really not much happens, but it's just like really, really calming. Yeah. Anyway. Hello. Um, Welcome to whatever this story is gonna be. Um, I'm not quite sure. Maybe it'll work together um, with yours and maybe it won't at all. Um, it's not really related in any way. You went very old and I'm going very recent. So I know
1: next to nothing about China except for where it is on a map.
0: I also know next to nothing about China, especially about the Catholic Church in China. Um, but I learned. So I didn't you... even know there was a Catholic Church in China. Well, I know that there probably has to be, but it's very complicated. Um, well, it's not that complicated, but the history is uh, fraught, I would say.
1: I imagine so. Yeah, the Catholic <laughs> Church is like, hmm, what would it be like if we just invaded a bunch of places and made them believe what we believe? <laughs> right. Yep. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh
1: huh.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what happened. Um, so I don't even really have to go. <laughs>
1: But it looks different in every single place. Sometimes, like with the Native Americans, um, the Native Americans just eat your heart. um, Because they absolutely reject that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, This one's a little different. Um, I don't know if there's any heart eating. I didn't stumble upon any heart eating, but I did stumble upon other forms of torture and execution so um and it's always fun when the Jesuits are involved they just they know how to have a good time they really know how to make literally any situation more complicated and scary and just over the top they just like see a stick of dynamite on the ground and they fucking light it on fire I too can make every situation more complicated than it was initially. <laughs> Same. Yeah, we both have that talent, I think. Like last time when we were guest speakers um for a Zoom class, you mm-hmm. cleaned your bathroom and I shaved my legs.
1: But what was really funny <laughs> is that my mom showed up like two days later and she walked In my house, and she went to the bathroom Mm -hmm. and she stepped out. And the first words out of her mouth were, Your bathroom's really clean. Hey, um, you did a good job. I had to explain why it was the cleanest room in my house (laughs) and how it possibly related to guest teaching. It doesn't, but it does not,
0: (laughs) it doesn't to a normal brain at all. But you have a special brain.
1: (laughs) My mother. Does not have a special brain. She was very confused.
0: Yep. (laughs) Now that I've thoroughly insulted you, (laughs) let's get started. (laughs) I didn't mean it as an insult at all. You just have a spicy brain. It's okay. I
1: I like my spicy brain. Yeah. It's way more interesting than non spicy
0: brains. Right. That is correct. Um, Okay. Today I'm going to talk about what the Roman church calls the martyr saints of China. So already from the get go, it's a downer um spoiler alert that's what we do here no, that's literally what we do um although I don't think your story was that much of a downer but maybe After it's just a baby cause... in prison <laughs> it was so long ago I can't be responsible for that I can't feel bad about that if I go feeling bad about literally everything that happened before Christ I can't <laughs> I can't be upset about all those things I do feel bad now that I'm saying it out loud for that baby, but, um, I have very limited empathy, (laughs) right? It's being used up constantly
1: by like everything that's happening now. Like today, I have a old classmate who's always on Facebook having Mm -hmm. a mental breakdown about like all of the people that she even vaguely knows who are sick and like, She's a paramedic, so all of the cases she's ever remembered, and then she just randomly sees stories on Facebook, and she's like, I have to pray for this person, because this is so tragic. I'm like, how are you not emotionally exhausted all the time?
0: Maybe that's how she gets each one out of her system. Like, as it arises, she's like, okay, I must share, and then maybe she doesn't think about it after that.
1: I don't know. Just seeing her stuff all the time, like, you are exhausting me yeah I don't care how do you
0: (laughs) right like how do you hold all that in your brain how are you ever happy yeah there you need a balance you can't just be like consumed with dread all the time
1: yeah so I have to joke about the baby in prison I cannot (laughs) be sad about the in prison baby right it was a million years ago literally (laughs)
0: i don't know how long <laughs> 2020 how, how does the common era work <laughs> beats the fuck out of me i forget every single time that the counting is
1: backwards i'm like uh, oh wait me too like i look when at you... like <laughs> go ahead no i'm like the numbers being before the other numbers yeah, messes yeah. me up every yeah. time Same. looking at like when people were born and when they're dead i'm like how did they die before they were born right <laughs> <laughs> look we
0: maybe history was not the best choice for us but
1: but we're here and we're here
0: we did commit um in a big way almost 50 episodes so
1: Mm -hmm. here we are um all right so teach me about those pesky jesuits
0: the pesky jesuits and the martyr saints of china These are 120 saints who were kind of like all lumped together and um, canonized by Pope John Paul II in the year 2000. It's a lot of saints. It it is a lot. So they span anywhere from the 17th century to modern day, specifically around like 1930 um, is the cutoff, I think. So and we'll see the timing of that like why why it's those um why it's that span as we go along so 87 of the 120 were Chinese Catholics and 33 are Western missionaries so most of them were martyred during the Boxer Rebellion of 1899 to 1901 which is one of those things where I've always pretended to know what it is Um, I'm like, oh, yeah, the Boxer Rebellion. Everybody knows what that is. I have never heard of it. (laughs) (laughs) I think I learned about it in AP Euro in high school um, and then just completely vanished from my brain. I now know what it is, thankfully. Um, So since most of the martyrs come from that rebellion, I'm going to focus mostly on that, but I will get into the background so that we can see like the development of the relationship between the Roman church and China. Spoiler alert, this is not a particularly healthy relationship. It's a bit... my favorite
1: kind on this
0: show. <laughs> yep, same. It's a bit of a toxic relationship. Um, so let's start with the first recorded arrival of Catholic missionary priests in China, which was in the 13th century. They probably arrived earlier, or somebody, I'm sure, arrived earlier, but this is the first recorded appearance. The first priest was Giovanni de Monte Corvino, I think. Um, he was an Italian Franciscan who came to Canbalic. That's my best guess. I could not find a pronunciation. Kanbalik was the city center of what would later be known as Beijing. This is back when it was like um, under... Uh, Mongol rule and it was called the Forbidden City. Um that was in 1294. After only 6 years there, Giovanni had converted an estimated 6,000 to 30,000 people. I could not find like a credible source for that estimate and it's so wide of a gap that I literally <laughs> don't know what to do with that fact, but um I found it so I am passing it along like a good uh reporter. So now we skip ahead to the Jesuits. Um, A long time ago, I talked about St. Ignatius of Loyola. Um, He was the one with the Plato leg and one of the main founders of the Society of Jesus. In that episode, I mentioned that one of his best friends who he studied with in France, where the order was founded, um, and one of the co-founders of the order was St. Francis Xavier. When I started my research and I saw his name pop up, I was super excited because I was like, cool, I can only focus on him and I can ignore all this like historical context that I don't understand. That will be great for me. Um, But I can't focus on him because he never actually reached mainland China. He was supposed to. (laughs) He tried his very best, but he just couldn't get there. (laughs) That was in 1552. He died on, I forgot to look this one up. It blended in, so I didn't see it. He died on Shangchuan, I think, island, which was the only place in China where Europeans were allowed to stay at the time foreign influence was definitely still oh I skipped a paragraph oops I've never done that before it's kind of exciting the first time (laughs) it happens. I was like oh my goodness something different okay no let's hop back just a second before we get to the Jesuits Um, over the next few centuries after that first priest got there the missions declined in China because of the overthrow of the Mongol Yuan dynasty by the Ming dynasty in 1368. The Ming regime put a lot of pressure on foreigners like Muslim, Jewish, and Christian people to assimilate into the native culture. Because of this, we've lost all reliable information about the practicing Christians who remained in China. Either they were exiled, they were executed, or they assimilated and just like either practice their religion in secret, but didn't spread it, or just gave it up. They're just like, fuck Christianity, I would rather like be alive. Um, Now we skip ahead to the Jesuits. Francis Xavier tries to go there in 1552. He dies on the island in the south of China, because that was the only place that foreigners were allowed to be. Um, Foreign influence was still unwanted in the 16th century
1: i respect that though like you can have this island and that's it just you can have one
0: you know one one little place one corner stay in your corner
1: um yeah. yeah when i tell my cat not to get on the table and he like steps a paw onto the table it's like mm-hmm. no and, uh, uh, uh. and he just slowly <laughs> retracts it
0: good <laughs> you can stay out yeah same Yeah, I respect that too. I think I read that the Portuguese were a big presence on that island. Um, It was pretty much just like the Jesuits that were there were just hanging out with the Portuguese (laughs) colonists. (laughs) They're just chilling, just chilling. Um, so in 1582, which was 30 years after Francis's death, two Italian Jesuits show up. Their names are Michel Ruggieri and Matteo Ricci. These two guys, this power couple, would come to represent the new quote-unquote China mission that the Jesuits were determined to successfully undertake. So they were determined to adapt their approaches to reach both the common people and the educated classes. So in letters that Ricci sent to like the big Jesuit houses in Europe asking for more priests to be sent to China, he said that these priests should be not just good men, but quote, men of talent, since we are dealing here with a people both intelligent and learned. Shocking for a European to say that about a place he's like sent to colonize. It's really the bare minimum, but like back then, that's pretty shocking. So this new wave of missionaries were extremely devoted to the cause, as Jesuits are. These, they have their life mission basically, and and they'll die trying to achieve it. They're scary people. I'm a afraid bunch of, of them. nerds. They are total nerds, um, and like that's a fact. <laughs> I'm not just like being. Like, I'm not making a joke. It's a fact. They're nerds. They have a big focus on education. Um, There are many, many Jesuit colleges. Um, So they're not like monks chanting in a dark room. They are out in the world making it happen, whether the world wants it or not. (laughs) Nothing is scarier than a college-educated white guy. (laughs) Literally. Yes, you're correct. And so they're into the new philosophy they're into mathematics they're into geography like they know shit they're educated so um and they recognize that the Chinese people are educated too um so for the most part they treated the Chinese people with respect more respect than would usually be afforded in these types of situations and also like mm, shocking that respect is a uh, necessary ingredient to make someone share your beliefs like wow who would have thought (laughs) groundbreaking so and yeah they went to China with the expectation that they would die in China um they would live the rest of their lives there except for if they had to go back to like beg for more money or something many Jesuits were accepted in the courts of the late Ming dynasty simply because they were interesting Um, Like I said, they were willing to exchange ideas with the Chinese people, they translated Confucius's works into different European languages, and they shared with the Chinese the European systems of astronomy, mathematics, and cartography, among other things. In one instance, a Jesuit correctly predicted an upcoming eclipse that Chinese astronomers hadn't anticipated, which opened the door to the complete reworking of the Chinese calendar using Western techniques. So the Jesuits in the Ming Dynasty are like mostly cool. Efforts were made to understand one another, dialogue is respectful. The Jesuit mission actually became fully integrated into Chinese imperial life. Jesuits were given jobs as mechanics, musicians, Artists and many other jobs that required technical expertise, and the development of Catholic Christianity in China was a great example of like cultural and artistic. um, Why didn't I write this down? Um, Like uh, (laughs) when they go when they go like this, (laughs) like fusion, um, like hybridization. So we can see that in. uh, I didn't write this down, so I don't know like the term for the art techniques but you can see it in museums of like that hold artwork from the time that was created by either in China by um the Chinese people using European techniques or the reverse like stuff created in Europe using Chinese techniques it's just I love that kind of shit the fact that you can tell like what time period something came from because it's like oh this is when the Jesuits were in China
1: like whenever we talked about like the Little Ice Age and seeing like snow on the ground in paintings and things yes. like
0: that, yes, yes, like that is cool. I love that shit, absolutely mm-hmm. love it. Because often history is so like these sweeping generalizations because we don't have evidence. So like when we actually have evidence, I love it. It's something okay. else. Anyway, um, this this piece could not last forever, unfortunately, but we saw that coming. The Ming dynasty was succeeded by the Qing dynasty, which ruled from 1644 all the way up to 1911. Long ass time. Yeah, probably a lot of incest (laughs) based (laughs) on your story to keep that going. Because like, how? How -hmm. is that possible? Um, In the early 18th century, the Jesuits came into conflict with the Dominicans who had come to Beijing from the Philippines. And this part of the story absolutely cracks me up. Um, basically what happened was that the Jesuits and the Dominicans just had like fundamentally different methods of like conversion of the native peoples. Um, the Jesuits had been engaged in this like very slow, pragmatic process where they're not outright condemning things like, um, offerings to the emperor or rituals like, uh, prayers for rain, for example. Um, they're not condemning the teachings of Confucius. Uh, they might not be agreeing with those things, but they're not like actively being like, no, you're not allowed. Um, boom, bang, boom, Dominicans fucking kick the door down and they're like, um, I know something you don't know <laughs> Confucius he went to hell <laughs> that went over really well I, am I sure. so I exaggerated a little bit for like comedic benefit but that they, I understand
1: what you mean though that kind of like brute force yeah you're gonna believe what I say you're gonna believe
0: yeah and they literally did say that Confucius was in hell like they they were talking with the jesuits like you cannot be like you can't be so accepting of their beliefs because guess what their fundamental like philosophy it's not valid um and like you have to start there to like bring the whole structure down <laughs> like
1: no (laughs) you're wrong (laughs) jesuits are like let's meet in the middle and see where it leads and the dominicans are like let's just blow it up let's just fucking blow it to smithereens and then
0: rebuild on the rubble and literally yes because it was i mean centuries and centuries of this slow assimilation process where like beautiful things were like flowering and like lovely respect between cultures but that's over um with just the simple question of is was Confucius saved that was the Dominicans question and obviously their rhetorical question because the answer to them is clearly no (sighs) so they said um so this argument um was originally made about greek philosophers so like we get the neoclassicism and stuff in the renaissance and we're like how do we reconcile that these philosophers have created amazing like fundamental works but they are in hell like how how does that work and should we be engaging with these works if that is true so The Dominicans are like, well, if Plato and Socrates and Aristotle are in hell, then Confucius is obviously in hell too. So like, boom, what are you going to do about that? Um, and I think it's like, it's the Christian urge to make yourself seem smarter than pagans at like any cost. Like Christians would rather be murdered by pagans than admit that pagans are like just as smart as them. And just as advanced.
1: Really giving me vibes of like playing make-believe as kids and like mm-hmm. the one kid who just tries to make-believe like harder than you <laughs> and just like tries to rewrite the make-believe that you made up to make themselves better. Like, well, actually you're blank and I'm, it's like, you what? Well, actually I have ice powers and
0: fire powers. So my fairy and- would kill your fairy in every single fight
1: yeah and your fairy can't live where you say your fairy lives, and even if you think that your fairy could kill my fairy, you're wrong um, right because like, I already live in
0: the castle in the land that you <laughs> say you want to live in. so yeah, it's like, why are you rewriting
1: like my shit?
0: I thought this was a collaboration, right no, yeah, exactly. that's exactly what it is. That's a great analogy um. Anyway, this chaotic arrival of the Dominicans leads to what's called the rites controversy, rites spelled R-I-T-E-S, and this lasted for over a hundred years. At first, the main argument was like uh, the Jesuits' belief that the ceremonial rites of Confucianism were primarily social and that it was okay for converts to still practice them, So like, okay, the Jesuits are like, we baptize a guy, but he's still allowed to make offerings to the emperor. He's still allowed to pray for rain and like local ceremonies because these things are political. They're part of being a citizen. They're not inherently religious. And the Dominicans are like, no, this is the same thing as worshiping idols. It's kind of funny how it played out because obviously both orders asked the Pope what they should do. Um, Like you mentioned, those strongly worded letters and the Pope knew literally nothing about China. So he- He's like, where is it again? He's like, this is a start over. I think I'm getting it. He literally did not give an answer because he knew nothing about the situation, which actually- Respect. Respect, yeah. Um, so he's like, I don't know, figure it out, work it out amongst yourselves. Um, and the Chinese emperor was just like, flat out confused (laughs) as to why these catholic missionaries are fighting with the other catholic missionaries he did not get it like don't you white people like each other (laughs) (laughs) right he's like you're wearing the same outfit like you're clearly on the same team you literally reported to the same boss (laughs) (laughs) right you have the same daddy so like why why are you doing this to me um, and finally, he just got so sick of the fighting that he banned Christianity altogether. <laughs> it's too much squabbling. Get out. Yep, get out. Um, this was in the year 1715. The emperor apparently said on, on this topic, quote, Westerners are trivial. How could they understand Chinese great philosophy? In addition, no Westerners know the Chinese classics, Their discussions of Chinese philosophy are ridiculous. Fair. So this is what the decree actually stated. Quote, people of the Western Ocean, referring to Europeans, should they propagate in the country the religion of heaven's Lord, which is the literal Chinese name for the Catholic Church, or clandestinely print books or collect congregations to be preached to and thereby deceive many people, or should any Tartars or Chinese in their turn propagate the doctrines and clandestinely give names? This is referring to like taking a new name after baptism. Inflaming and misleading many, if proved by authentic testimony, the head or leader shall be sentenced to immediate death by strangulation. He who propagates the religion, if the number be not large and no names be given, shall be sentenced to strangulation after a period of imprisonment. Those who are merely hearers or followers of the doctrine, if they will not repent and recant, shall be transported to the Mohammedan cities and given to be slaves. So that's not good. During the period in which this decree was enacted, many Catholics were killed, Protestants too. Um, Unfortunately, we don't even have like a fraction of the names of the people or their stories, Um, But briefly, there's a few notable ones from this period. Um, There's the French priest, Francois. I can't pronounce the rest of his name. Um, He had been a missionary in China for 30 years in three different provinces until he was betrayed by a fellow Christian, arrested, tortured, and finally strangled in 1820. So this decree was in effect for a long, long time, like over 100 years. Um, there was also Peter Liu, a Chinese Catholic. He was arrested in 1814 and exiled to the region of Tartary, where he lived for 20 years. When he returned to China, he was immediately arrested again and strangled to death. So it's not just like, oh, if I just keep to myself and I just like go to church and like not try and spread anything, I'll be fine. It it was like, no, we're keeping tabs on these people. We don't want anything to do with them. Um, and then the third sort of like notable one that I found was a woman named Lucy Yi Zhenmai, Mai, I think, Zhen Mai. Um, she was a 46-year-old nun who had been Catholic her whole life and had left the protection of her convent very briefly. Um, and because she had left, she was arrested and subjected to sort of like a mockery of a trial and was beheaded the next day. So these are just three of the very short stories that we do have. We don't have much information at all about who died. So this law was specifically directed at Catholicism, but um, Protestant missionaries were treated with the same superstition, which reminded me of, like, I found this whole side of TikTok at one point who, like, didn't know that Catholics and Protestants hate each other, like, was just blissfully unaware of, like, the conflict between Catholics and Protestants um because from an outside perspective it just looks so stupid it doesn't make any that sense
1: was me before I really <laughs> knew the difference between everybody didn't yeah. know anything didn't know there was infighting and it's like don't y'all believe in God and Jesus like I don't get it
0: yeah but ours is the right way
1: <laughs> I don't understand
0: yep yeah. Uh, Me neither, really. I was just kidding when I said that last part. Um, Yeah, so from the outside perspective, like from the Chinese perspective, it just doesn't make sense. So Protestants are treated with the same, the laws apply to them too. So access to China was pretty much cut off for Catholic missionaries until China lost the opium wars to European powers, specifically Britain and France. After China lost, it was forced to open several of its ports, not only to trade, but to foreign missionaries. This was not um, a fun arrangement for the Chinese. Um, It caused a lot of resentment. They call it an unequal treaty, or I think they call them the unequal treaties. Um, It's essentially like forcing someone to let you into their house at gunpoint. And then expecting the owner of the house to like bake you a cake and like tuck you into bed.
1: (laughs) Like, it's just not logical. And if the people that you've let in your house disagree with everything that you believe in and have to say.
0: Right. And also think of you as subhuman and backwards and not as important as them. And like, it puts you in this position where any like, the the intruder if they do one wrong thing like the <laughs> the owner of the house gets a little bit closer to just like slitting their throat in the middle of the night like mm-hmm. it's not it's not going to last long and it's not going to end well so as we all know if missionaries have one thing it's the audacity these new missionaries abolished the old chinese catholic institutions that their jesuit predecessors had established so everything nice and respectful and hanging out together having fun times that's over donezo they built churches and schools on the sites of old temples or near imperial buildings just as a like a fuck you just a straight up fuck you and then something called the taiping rebellion happened which um in which the rebel leader claimed to be a christian who had received a mission from God to fight evil, which, unless you're Joan of Arc, it's always a red flag. Even for Joan of Arc, it was a very big red flag to say that. Um, So in the course of that mission, he and his followers went around destroying temples and massacring people. It was one of the bloodiest conflicts in human history. 20 to 30 million people died. Not a good look for that guy to call himself a Christian it's not a good look for the Christians in the area (laughs) and then we don't claim him (laughs) we don't claim him his energy Um, right they're not just gonna take you at your word on that (laughs) no no his energy his energy is a little toxic (laughs) so vibe with it I don't vibe with his energy (laughs) oh yeah I don't um And then there were the weird, suspicious ways that the Catholics were behaving, (laughs) which is not a new sentence. It's not revelatory in any way. We still behave in weird, suspicious ways. (laughs) Um, But back then, one thing that Catholics did at this time in China that seemed weird to the locals was that they would quarantine their new Chinese converts. They would sort of keep them at the mission for a while. Um, From the Catholic perspective, this quarantine process was for the converts own protection Um, because their families, their friends may become hostile to them if they learn that they've converted to Catholicism. But from the outside, it looks very secretive and it spawns a bunch of conspiracy theories. Exactly, 100% cultish. Um, it's like, what are they doing to these people at the missions? Our neighbor like casually mentioned becoming Catholic one day, and then he immediately
1: disappeared, and we have not seen him in weeks. And he's been cut off from his friends and his family and can't talk to anybody but the people who are currently indoctrinating him.
0: Right. It's literally a cult. Yes. Well, I
1: way. mean, all
0: religions are, but you no, know, it doesn't look good. Um And it turned out to be more dangerous than if the people hadn't been quarantined, (laughs) because in more than one case, this resulted in a massacre of everyone at the mission. Not the best plan.
1: (laughs) No, probably not.
0: And again, these are, since the treaty ports have been opened, these aren't just Jesuits anymore. They're not just Dominicans. There's Franciscans now. There's There's all manner of religious orders here and Mm. different sects of Protestantism too, which is why I'm kind of generalizing a little.
1: just makes me want to kick people in the face. (laughs) (laughs) Because like opening up the ports was such a bad situation and everyone just took advantage and piled on. Yeah. Like, I I guess we're just going to sneak into China too and start converting people because why not? Everybody else is doing
0: it. That's exactly what
1: happened. And it was...
0: It was Britain. It was Portugal. It was France. It was Austria, Hungary, America. It was everybody. Germany was a huge one. Garbage. It's awful. Like imagine that happened to us and what we would feel like, you know, (laughs) if we're just being invaded like on all sides by whoever feels like it. And they're like, okay, this, okay. Illinois now belongs
1: to Germany. Yeah. We talked (laughs) about like lack of empathy, like It's just so much, like no empathy from so many parties, just they think that they're doing the right thing. It's like, it's not just one group of people who's not doing the right thing. It's so many groups of people who are doing the wrong thing. And it just is very disheartening. Yes.
0: Yes. So you are like doing my work for me by (laughs) saying all of that, because that is literally like the backdrop of the Boxer Rebellion. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So this is this whole array of shit, like the aftermath of the opium wars, the anger and resentment that followed. And then you add in, you sprinkle in, sprinkle on top of that a series of natural disasters, a cycle. Oh, no, yes, yes. This we've seen with the witch trials, <laughs> natural disasters or the straw that broke the camel's back. Yes, 100%. So the Yellow River was going through a cycle of drought and flood, drought and flood. Neither are good, obviously, no. together. <laughs> Extra bad. Extra bad. So famine plague
1: sure there are plenty of bugs yep disease. the works
0: yep mosquito borne diseases um and then on top of that we have propaganda cir- circulating about the foreigners and about christians um that just turn into outright calls for violence against christians and foreigners all this culminates in the boxer rebellion it's also known as the boxer uprising or insurrection or the Tan, I think. Yihetuan, I think. Movement, which refers to the name that the boxers called themselves, which means um, the righteous and harmonious fists. So back to more fists. More fisting. More fisting. <laughs> Can't have enough fisting. All you can eat fisting. <laughs> I hate myself. <laughs> please no. I know what you're about to say. Please no. I'm say okay. I'm just gonna let that sit with me. For let a it second. sit. Let it marinate. Yes. Gross. I disgust myself. Um, anyway, the Boxer Rebellion. Um, This was an anti-foreign, anti-colonial, and anti-Christian uprising that began in 1899, not long ago at all. The militia were called the Boxers in English because their members practiced martial arts, which at the time were known collectively as Chinese Boxing pretty fucked up but they just generalized all the different schools of martial arts and called it chinese boxing because <laughs> that's the, that's not racist not at all and that's like the frame of reference that they have which is kind of funny if you think about like an old-timey like 1920s boxer guy trying to fight like bruce lee <laughs> Like, the boxer would always lose. (laughs) At least it's Chinese boxing, not like Chinese fisticuffs or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, true. It could be worse. So, yeah, that's that's why it's called the Boxer Rebellion. So, in most cases, these boxers were young males who lived in the inland regions of northern China, which was one of those areas that always has some bad shit going on. Some places are just fucking cursed. Northern China was constantly plagued by social unrest, religious conflict, martial law, these natural disasters. It's not a peaceful, chill place. They had just come out of the Sino-Japanese war as well. Like it's it's not good. So they resented all the foreign influence that recent wars had opened them up to. They resented those unequal treaty terms, and they blamed it all on foreign influence, which I mean. Sounds right to me. So the rebellion offered these young men, many of whom were unemployed, who had lost their land to foreigners or their land had been ruined by natural disasters. It offered these young men, these very angry young men, the opportunity to take all that like pent up rage and channel it against Western colonists. So what the boxers did was they essentially just moved from village to village in northern China and then outward from there, just attacking and murdering foreigners. Especially, um, basically, they said the, the, the primary devil is foreign influence. The secondary devil is uh, Catholicism or Christianity in general. Um, so they would target uh, Christian missionaries and their converts, And their fighting style was characterized by a belief in their own invulnerability. So they would use weapons like swords and uh, rifles, but um, also during battle, they claimed to be possessed by their deities, which protected them from cannon fire, rifle shots, melee combat, all of the above. And they would kind of do these like, Really theatric, like um, incantations during battle. Like it it was very effective and intimidating.
1: It kind of reminds me of uh, the Celts a little bit, and also of like berserkers. uh, Yes, like the Vikings.
0: Yes, just kind of like Valhalla type of shit. Sometimes,
1: like their reputation is precedes them, and is what is more terrifying than them.
0: You are doing a better I'm job sorry. than me at telling the story. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right, though. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. So, like, their reputation would precede them and cause a panic, and people would either flee or if they stayed, they would just be massacred. Like, it
1: see- I definitely know if somebody's like these guys who get like possessed by deities and are yeah. invincible um do incantations in battle they're gonna come to your village I'd be, I'd be like, like no I'm blowing my brains <laughs> out bye that'll do it
0: <laughs> that'll do it don't See, gotta you know, worry about me you did not have to worry about me <laughs> I'll take care of myself thanks <laughs> right yeah exactly 100 percent um yeah I'm sure that I'm sure a lot of people did commit suicide in anticipation. Um, I would not be surprised by that at all. Um, The claim of like possession and invulnerability was not a new idea. It was a long tradition, Um, but it took on a new significance in the industrial age because the Chinese were attempting to fight off essentially the entire Western world, which had, quickly outpaced them in terms of industry and weaponry almost like they represented the old way of fighting so in addition to the spiritual possession they claimed that they would eventually win the war because millions of soldiers would descend out of heaven to help them purify China of foreign influence so again like back to the Vikings like the Valkyries and stuff like that it's scary I would not want to go up against people who like legitimately believe that kind of thing
1: that they have like an army of the dead like, yeah i'm good you know i'm okay i'm okay when's, here. when's the first boat out of here <laughs> <Right>. unrelated unrelated <laughs> but uh what's the schedule just, on that? just checking
0: my skedge uh yeah the estimated total number of christians killed during the boxer rebellion varies widely because the killings were so widespread and everything escalated so quickly, like from beginning to end, this was two years, not even a full two years. So things escalated so quickly that accurate records couldn't be kept. But I've seen anywhere from 10,000 to 100,000. And that's just Christians. Um, Many other civilians died as well. It was mostly Chinese civilians who died. These men were killing their own countrymen because it wasn't like, oh we're Chinese we're on the same side anymore it was like you have accepted like the devil into your heart basically so you're not worthy like you're we have to purify you by killing you that type of thing which obviously is like what happens all the time in war Mm -hmm. um and it's like why war can happen when you when you think of people like that um Mm -hmm. it's almost like a prerequisite for war. Anyway, um, I saw one source that said that, like, for every foreign missionary that was killed, about 200 Chinese civilians were killed. So in the process of trying to find names or anything really about the Catholics who died, um, I found these groupings by village name or province name because every time the boxers came through a town, it would just be a massacre. So there were the martyrs of shang and the martyrs of Southern Hunan, who were Franciscan friars and their converts. Um, there were the Franciscan missionaries of Mary, who were a mix of seven French, Dutch, and Belgian nuns, um, And I got stuck on this one group because I found the hagiography of the mother superior of um, this group of nuns, which was like a great find. I did not expect to find anything like that. Um, The mother superior of the Franciscan missionaries of Mary was named Marie Hermine. I know that's shitty French. Um, Marie Hermine of Jesus. She was 33 years old when she came to the mission in her hagiography is a copy of a letter that she had written to the mother general of her order before she left for China. In the letter she wrote, quote, I am intimidated and I feel more and more my incapacity to fulfill the charge holy obedience has given me. The calm, the patient firmness, the solid virtues that the administration of a mission and especially a foundation demands. Have I them? No. Hundred times no, and I fear, I fear much that my lack of them may be an obstacle to the good of souls. I feel capable of obeying and doing all asked of me, but I have not enough firmness to direct. I'm glad to go to the missions. The suffering for myself does not frighten me, but my unworthiness may perhaps not influence souls for good. If this is so, I beg you remove from me the chalice of superiority entrust the charge to one more worthy, unquote. The Franciscan nuns ran a small school and orphanage in Taiwan. Mother Marie Hermine's diary is pretty detailed. She talks all about the locals, um, the food they ate, which was really funny because she had a list of all the foods that they had eaten in one day, and she was like, we had this. It was weird. We had this. I didn't like it (laughs) the the entry for like um small Chinese cakes with pears she wrote in parentheses good (laughs) (laughs) so dessert was her favorite meal (laughs) she's like this I could eat that the rest of this not so sure (laughs) oh that cracked me up um She describes the conditions of their house and how they tried to improve it. It's a really nice window into her daily life. But so when things started to get bad, um, like when the boxers reputation was preceding them, um, the Bishop told Marie-Ermine that she and her sisters should change out of their habits, should put on plain clothes and try to escape. But Marie-Ermine refused. She said no anyone who wants to stay, wants to stay should be allowed to stay basically. So they all stayed and they were imprisoned with their confessors whom they were forced to watch being tortured and beaten before they too were executed. So all those nuns died. Um, they've since been canonized with the nuns were 11 lay Franciscans, um, Chinese civilians who were also killed except for one who managed to escape. He hid under a piece of furniture, I think. And he's where we get the story from. So that's just one tiny account. Obviously, there would be lots and lots more if they had been recorded. um, But most of these incidents, uh, no one was left alive. And since most of the victims were Chinese, the Western sources often didn't report on specific instances in depth, even if they had the information. Just more racism. And then, of course, the obligatory pillaging, looting, and raping followed the massacres. A Japanese journalist wrote extensively about this stuff in his miscellaneous notes on the boxers. It's extremely graphic, I would not suggest (laughs) reading it, Um, a British journalist who observed some of it said, quote, there are things that I must not write and that may not be printed in England, which would seem to show that this Western civilization of ours is merely a veneer over savagery. So this was not just the boxers raping Chinese women. It was also foreign soldiers who had joined the conflict. (sighs) Um, so these foreign countries were called the Eight Nation Alliance. Um, like I mentioned, they I don't remember all of them, but they included Germany, Austria, France, um, and they had swooped in um, like we mentioned, but they in a, in a lot of ways, they just made the situation much worse. Um, for example, if the German soldiers found out that there were rebels in one of their villages, they would just burn down the entire village with the innocent people in it and everything. And the foreign soldiers, also took part in the looting there was so much looting um newspapers called it a carnival they called it an orgy rich foreigners would fill literal boxcars full of like ancient artifacts it's just it's a lot it's the violation of an an entire civilization anyway (laughs) The Eight Nation Alliance subdued and defeated the Boxer Militia in August of 1901. All the Boxers and all the officials suspected to have been working with the Boxers were executed. Just a few decades later, the groundwork would be laid in China for the Communist Party to eventually take over in 1949. It's obviously a lot more complicated than that, but I didn't feel like getting into all of it. The only part that's really relevant to my story is that the communist regime once again outlawed missionary work because it represented Western imperialism in China. Missionary work continues to be outlawed in China today, but in 1957, the Chinese government established what's called the Chinese Patriotic Catholic Association in Beijing. The CPCA is unique because it rejects the authority of the Pope this is what we see in communist countries. If religion is allowed at all, it must answer to the state, not any outside hierarchy. So the CPCA appoints its own bishops, which the Pope is not a fan of. Um, back in the 50s, when this organization was created, Pope Pius XII published like a decree condemning the association and excommunicating those who participated in the consecration of unauthorized bishops so that's how serious it is this relationship has improved slightly over the decades in the 80s the church started examining each appointed bishop and approving them approving them on a case by case basis this approval is not necessary for the association to function it's just kind of like a gesture like opening
1: some kind of dialogue the pope is like okay that bishop's good new association's like did we fucking ask you
0: literally and
1: uh, it's
0: just like okay well i guess excommunicating everybody didn't make you want to be our friend so let's try a new tactic let's just like be super condescending mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: see how that goes your pick is
0: okay <laughs> right i guess not fired. who
1: i would have chosen but they're right. okay
0: they're fine i guess yeah exactly since september 2018 pope francis has the power to veto bishops that the chinese government recommends so that's kind of where we're at nowadays um and the most recent update in the relationship between the roman church and china was that on february 19th 2021 Pope Francis formally granted a decree of canonical coronation for a Marian image of Our Lady of China in Taiwan. So it sounds like kind of just a formality type of thing, like, oh, sure, you can have a statue. But it's like, it's more symbolic, I guess. It's kind of like, the church appro- it's the church approving um our lady of guadalupe and saying to the mexican people yes your your image of the virgin mary is acceptable it's okay for you to be like under the protection of your own version of mary you can have that um so it is a big step the date of that coronation has not been finalized probably due to covid um the pope can't really get over to <laughs> China or whatever um but it's a big symbolic step um and that is kind of a weird rambling collection of uh tales (laughs) of the history between the Roman church and China
1: I think that's really interesting that it brings us up to literally like last year
0: last year yeah yeah I wonder what'll happen in our lifetimes I'm sure we'll find a way to fuck it up again
1: and they'll kick us out for good
0: like forever
1: (laughs) undoubtedly yeah (laughs) things are always getting fucked up somewhere yep we would deserve it I miss being a kid when I thought the world was like okay because I didn't watch the news and I didn't know any better and now as I'm getting older I'm like wow things are like so bad and things are like not chill And then I'm like, has it always been this way? And I just didn't watch the news. Um, And I think that the answer is yes. The answer is yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. So yeah, I'm trying to be um, less pessimistic about the world and feeling like everything is ending because I'm pretty sure it's just been this way since humans were fucking created.
0: Right. Yeah, everything that has happened in our lifetime, I feel like has happened a million times before
1: i'm not sure we've ever gotten along as a species <laughs> no <laughs> i
0: don't think so no maybe at the tower of babel <laughs> people seem chill there right yeah i don't think so i think they yeah. fought each other at the tower of babel
1: too <laughs> it's even like the 12 apostles didn't get along <laughs> yes yeah. hilarious like you think of friends you think of families you think of States, countries, anything. It's like we just really always fucking fight each other, don't we? Uh
0: Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: Probably says something about us, but whatever. Probably. And this is why we have religion.
0: (laughs) I don't know why we have religion, truly.
1: Uh (laughs) to make us feel better about death. Yeah, probably. Primarily. To help us strive to be better people and to make us feel better about death. And I think also for superiority reasons. Right, which shouldn't be for that, but I think it gets used for that a lot.
0: Yeah, most of its modern usage is for that, for justifying genocide and war. Anywho,
1: (laughs) how positive! I didn't know that that many people were like slaughtered in China. Thousands and thousands uh definitely whenever i think of like um big massacres i definitely I you think of the holocaust and mm-hmm. then, um i think of stalin is um like number two second thing to my head mm-hmm. so now i'm gonna have to put this up there among that right especially the taiping rebellion
0: i mean that i can't even comprehend 20 to 30 million people
1: that's just that's so many if you think about like the population of the united states i know yeah it's wild
0: let's uh can we find a bright spot to end on (laughs) perhaps (laughs) um your story was a lot more fun than mine
1: that always makes it story was really interesting though oh thanks yeah i like whenever stories just have a bunch of like fuckery going on (laughs) a lot of fuckery a lot of jesuit fuckery There's a lot of fuckery going on in yours. Yeah, that's true. It's just everybody wanted a piece of the fuckery pie. Yep. The fuckery pie. Oh
0: my (laughs) gosh. I would be in a fuckery pie. Can I make one? Let me get back into my pie making days. Ooh, that was a dark time. (laughs) Every time I see pie making videos on TikTok, I think of you. Oh, my pies never look that good, but they taste great. I believe you. um all that
1: matters
0: (laughs) oh thanks um yeah nowadays it's ice cream i'm still making ice cream that wasn't just a short-lived hyper fixation i still make it's got a hold on you it it does it really does um i don't know what we'll do next time but uh we hope you join us and thank you for joining us this time and we will see you next time thanks be to god blessed be